0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert.
1: How you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. It's good to see you back in your natural habitat.
0: You know, it it does. It feels good. <laughs> even for the couple hours I get out just to come to my office and, and, and record this stuff, it's it's a change of pace it's been a few weeks it's quiet more than anything i you I know the, the the one thing i've found from all of this stay at home and and listen i love being around my wife and my my kid all the time but man i crave quiet time big time i don't know about it's you underrated. especially yeah, when you're no, planning and organizing and reviewing and think you got to have quiet and you know a six-year-old there's no such thing as quiet no. time it's no. just go 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 scream 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 yell laugh and yeah it's good yeah, to they get- don't
1: understand that daddy's on a conference call you know what that means and same here you know we have a house full of kids and three dogs and you know my wife's trying to teach uh from uh from home and it, it's a little bit of noise a little bit of you know uh, madness, but I like you, I mean, I love having them around, but man, when you can get a little, I, I typically get up, you know, pretty early in the morning and that's kind of my, my Zen time, you yeah. know? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you know, i the fortunate thing for me is my, my office is one of these little executive suite offices. You know, yeah. there's a half a dozen of them in this, this building, but you know, I'm the only one in my, Little office itself, so I don't interact with anybody else. And frankly, it looks like most of the other people in the building aren't coming in anyway. So, you know, it's just like staying at home, even though I still find myself the good habit I'm still wiping down everything, even in my office. (laughs) I'm the only person in here, but I'm wiping down chairs and desks. Never
1: know, the cleaning lady may have come in and Sneeze on your chair. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I hope exactly. Not. Um, all right. So let's get back to why people are listening to us. They don't they you know, they're in the same boat as we are, so they don't they don't need to hear about it. Um let's let's do a quick shout out to some of our supporters um and sponsors. Thank you so much, Bruce, and hypebot dot com every week, week in, week out. Thank you for everything mm-hmm. you do, sharing our stories, putting them in your newsletter. Um that's that's amazing. Bands in Town, thank you as well. It's great when we see our podcasts pop up in a Bands in Town email blast. Um awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, discmakers.com, thank you for sponsoring this every week. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small. It's selling products like CD, vinyl, t-shirts, Now, not at gigs, but online, has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell, you need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs, and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we got together with Disc Makers, and they came up with this great little promotional offer for all the Music Biz Weekly listeners out there. Head over to DiscMakers.com, place an order for a hundred or more CDs, and put in the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. That's, that's a lot. That's nothing to sneeze at. Um, so, discmakers.com, promo code FREEBIZ, order 100 or more CDs, and you can save up to $150 in shipping. So, we've got such a cool, fun discussion yeah, this week. We really do.
1: We? Yeah.
0: Who's our special guest, Jay?
1: Our special guest is Dimitri Vitsa. And Dimitri is, he's a, a a storm. You know, he's got Music Tectonic <laughs> uh, podcast and conferences and the Web's days, uh, meetups and rock, paper, scissors, which is tech and music PR. Um, he's just a, a ball of energy. We love him. Great. Always a great conversation. Um, Dmitri Vitsa.
0: Yeah. Let it roll. Great discussion, including some tips on some hot technology and, and what you should be doing in this this current crisis we're all all having to battle right now. Yeah. So let it roll, Dimitri.
1: All right. Today we are joined by Dimitri Vitsa. Uh, Dimitri is the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a tech and music PR firm uh, for about 20 years. Um, he's also the founder of Music Tectonics Conference, and uh, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Loved it uh, when uh, we went last year. Um, he hosts Web's Days, it's easy for you to say, an online tech uh, music meetup, which we'll talk about a little bit. And he also is a host of the Music Tectonics podcast. That's a mouthful. Um, Dimitri, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today, brother.
2: Hey, what's up? Nice to see you guys, Jay <laughs> Michael.
1: <laughs> Good to see you too, man. Um, you've got a lot of things going on. And uh, I can't tell you how much I enjoy the Web's Days thing. Um, I I love getting people together in, in these crazy times and uh, lots of really interesting folks. I, I encourage people to check that out. I really enjoy your Music Tectonics podcast. But let's back up a little bit um tell us a little bit about how you got into this crazy thing and how did you find uh found is the word i'm looking for um the rock paper scissors uh pr firm
2: yeah sure great to be here thanks guys um yeah i started rock paper scissors in 1999 wow Uh, (laughs) i lived in portland oregon at the time and i had worked for a, a record distributor out there and uh had been really interested in music from all over the world. I had been doing workshops using music to teach about cultural differences. And some folks at this distributor got word of my interest and they had a lot of international music and uh, saw me kind of in action telling stories about music and said, this would be a really good PR role. So they actually got me on board with learning Ah. how to do PR. And I found that my approach to talking about global music was great for storytelling. And we started getting NPR hits pretty consistently before the indie rock crowd or pop or anybody else realized that NPR could drive so much traffic and sales. I used to log on to the, the, uh, Amazon accounts and look at like how we were charting on Amazon. Cause we'd get an all things considered or a morning edition hit. Huge. So yeah. So I was really interested in global culture and music and also entrepreneurship and uh kind of just put it all together and created rock paper scissors to focus entirely on on my passion which was global music and Who who was
1: a distributor
2: it was a company called allegro oh i
1: know know, them well i used to live in portland oregon you know i used to shop at uh music millennium with terry courier you get it um allegro yeah i remember allegro sure
2: so that was my first job in the music industry. I was already messing around. I mean, I did some community radio and I was doing these workshops, doing instrument demos and playing samples to show people how all these cool sounds would come out of uh, music and cultures from all over the world, showing how wow. the physical landscape would influence how music sounded and Super then starting cool. to translate and transfer that into how I perceive music overall, pop music, current music, and, and so forth. Um, so that was kind of the origins of rock, paper, scissors. I didn't ever know that I was, I, I also grew up playing music. I went to the fame high school in New York city, LaGuardia yeah, that's so, I grew so up cool. playing music on the streets of New York and in the subways and had this interesting global culture and entrepreneurship. And it all kind of came together at rock, paper, scissors.
1: Yeah, that sounds super cool. So you just mentioned something that I think is super important, but it's something that PR firms have known forever and that the music industry is just starting to learn. And that's the narrative the storytelling, you know, I had a friend of mine who was a journalist and he told me his biggest complaint was that when artists, managers, whoever came to him, they'd say, Hey, I got this new record coming out. And he'd be like, okay, why should anybody care? You know, what is that story? Tell me about it. And it's gotten to the point now, you know, where it's, it's part of everybody's routine. They're starting to get it. Are, are you seeing that with your clients, whether it's on the tech side or whatever, that they come to you kind of prepared with that compelling narrative? Or is that something well, you need to kind of pull out of them?
2: It's actually really interesting because um, in the music industry, in the traditional music industry, a lot of what you hear when people say, what's your narrative? They want to know what's your progress. What is your social following?
1: <laughs> yeah, what's your Who footprint?
2: Yeah. Who have you impressed? What kind of deals have you done? And for all these years working in global music where that was not really what it was about, in a way, we were kind of working with DIY artists or smaller independent labels from the beginning. And since we were working with international artists, it was oftentimes a cultural story. It was an economic story, a political story, a socio-economic demographic, psychographic story. And these folks always had amazing personal and contextual stories to tell and that's where we kind of cut our teeth with crystallizing and articulating these stories and helping these artists pull it out a lot of times when we interview artists by the time it's over they act like they've just gone through a therapy session because we're trying (laughs) to pull out what is their contribution to the world and crystallize it and and feed it back to them so they start to say oh wow that is really what i'm doing i this is how i am bringing my heart and soul to the world through my music and that's compelling yeah yeah exactly and so i mean like we work with bands like Tanarawan, which is a um a tuaregs from the sahara who were literally rebels in the sahara desert and traded in their kalishnikov rifles during a peace movement where everybody actually physically burned the guns and they traded those in for electric guitars and they're listening to santana and led zeppelin and they wow. transposed their traditional melodies onto electric guitars. so if you hear it you're like this sounds familiar, but then you hear this <laughs> lope and this cadence and this rhythm that's specific to that part of the world. And then they're singing about their, their plight and their experience. So there's so much stuff you can talk about and it has a rock and roll or a, or a punk rock mentality that American audiences could, could jive with. So any kind of artist that we're working with, we're digging for those kind of stories that are not simply like, who have you been on stage with? What awards have we not heard of that you've gotten or that we have heard of or who have you signed yeah. with? But really going deep to the soul of music and over the past several years, as we've added in uh, the bulk of our business now is in music tech PR, we've figured out what does that look like in a B two B context or in a B two C context, not just in a musical spiritual context. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so that's so important because yeah, I'm I'm in the San Francisco area and I've been here since '98, so I've been you know basically through internet bubble and collapse and you know I've worked at startups and. And to this day, I still see these tech companies coming out and announcing a new product, and I'm just like, at the end of the announcement, I'm like, I'm not quite sure why I need this. What, what, what is your reason? What is your purpose? What is your story? What you know, problem I, are
1: you solving? What?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I always laugh, but it's kind of a, it's, it's serious in that, you know, just because you've got great engineers who can code extremely well. Doesn't mean there's a problem being solved, you know. You don't it it, is, don't yeah. don't invent the problem in order to solve it.
2: <laughs> you can tell when you meet a, a music tech startup company that comes from music versus one that comes from tech or, or just any kind of non music uh, side of the business. Interesting. And watch how they either immerse themselves in the actual flow of cash and interest and reputation within music or licensing for that matter, rights and analytics and things Mm -hmm. like that. If you can watch them kind of like adapt and create this type of thing for, um, for a a relevant use case versus somebody who's like, wouldn't it be cool if, and, uh, sometimes (laughs) even if you know the music industry, you might try to solve a problem and, and, and somehow it doesn't connect with, with the market. There's no product market fit or, or whatever. So, um, it's interesting to watch those two things, and sometimes, I mean, on the flip side, Michael, somebody might come out of left field with something where you're like, "That doesn't make sense." Nobody's going to do that, and then you're like, "Holy cow! Teenagers are totally doing that." And nobody <laughs> right? No, you're you're
0: uh, it's, you're hundred percent right. I I think it for me at the end of the day because I've worked in a lot of development houses as well. It, it's it you know you can't let the the coders and the engineers decide what the offering is going to be. Because at the end of the day, a coder is an artist. Their 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 canvas isn't music. Their canvas isn't painting. Their canvas is code. They're an artist. And they want to showcase their talent and their art. But somebody else, the producer, has to step in and go, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's done. Stop coding. This is the way it's got to sound. This is the way it's got to work. This is... You know, as as a business owner, I was always butting heads with developers going, you're developing something that nobody ever asked for. That's not the business issue I need solved. Here's what I need solved based on 12 of my clients talking to me every week about this. Follow my lead and give me the solution that you you can deliver for what I need. Don't yeah. just make it up and go, here's a great new feature. And I'm like, I don't know who's going to want that feature.
1: Yeah. And I find that, you know, in this business, a lot of our most popular tech companies didn't start off doing what they're doing now. Um, they either did the old Microsoft Apple model of version 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, or, you know, they found a need as they were. Moving along, I mean, take Apple, for example, I don't think back when they came out with the uh, Lisa that they thought they would be, you know, primarily goods and services, you know, or apps or phones and things. I mean, there's an evolution to that, you know, and I think when you launch some of these great products that we see all the time, Dimitri, you see you're on the front line, that may not be the perfect thing, but there's an evolution that goes along with that.
2: Yeah, no, I think you guys are right. There's always there's got to be a responsiveness to who the end user is and wh- and what problem you're trying to solve. And so just because something seems like it would be cool, uh, like <laughs> yeah. seems like it would be innovative or something like that, sometimes it's innovative, but you you can't gra- get any users as a result of it. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely a tricky a tricky yeah. factor.
0: You know, Jay and Jay and I have always said, especially when it comes to the streaming services, um, you know. They've all got basically the same catalog. They've all got 50 million tunes. They all stream. They all do the same basic functionality. What is the difference? What, what's the story, the narrative between Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Play, Deezer, Tidal, everybody else? Why should I use your service instead of this service? Because it's not the music, you know. Don't don't tell me about the music because you got the same catalog. So why and and, and that that's where I think we need to see people starting to go, Okay, it isn't about the music anymore. It's about what we wrap around the music and how you use the music.
2: Yeah, and and you know, part of it was there were differentiators earlier in the in the in the world of the DSPs, the digital streaming platforms, that you know, Pandora was clearly internet radio, Spotify was clearly interactive celestial jukebox, um, and uh, you know, YouTube obviously has video <laughs> to go with it as the primary thing. And then some social social aspects, you know, Apple and Spotify have tried social aspects, didn't see the traction they wanted or didn't quite execute. And so they they shaved those off and so forth. But what's happened over time is that Pandora added what Spotify had. Spotify added what Pandora had. You know, they're funny how that works. And there's some, you know, there's some catalog emphasis differences. You know, you have title obviously has the. Uh, you know, had the early on, on the, the higher res, higher resolution, higher fidelity audio. Now Amazon has that as well. Um, and Tidal also had kind of a stronger, uh, so-called urban hip hop R and B kind of catalog with some early stuff and kind of built a following there. Um, that still, I think remains to this day, but then yeah. Spotify, you know, d- dove deep into this both editorial Playlists and user generated playlists, um, whereas Apple had that Beats One radio experience. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of there, there are some differentiators, but most of them have adopted each other. And there's been some news over the last six months or 12 months that show that they really look like the interface now really God, looks that's right. similar.
1: They really look them. a lot alike. It's and hard so to tell. So some the of part. it's
2: ecosystem play, right? So mm-hmm. Amazon, Google, apple they want to keep you in their ecosystem so they have to have those things but they're selling something else spotify on the other hand can say well we are the independent player we're not trying to sell uh hardware necessarily or ads um and so you know we have a special place to play in art, artistic discovery and surfacing and and all that kind of stuff of course they now are doing a marketplace a creator marketplace play where they've acquired some some companies that are uh, specifically around helping creators and artists get more tools access to producers or engineers or production and they've now gone down the podcast uh, rabbit hole with their acquisitions of anchor and and gimlet and things like that which to me looks like um Sort of like, hey, we're not just competing with Apple and Amazon now, we're competing with radio. We're seeing that there's a future for what does the future of radio look like? And some really interesting things have happened with radio and streaming right now during the COVID-19 crisis, where you see some shifts in user engagement, who's using what, um, which is kind of interesting to explore as well.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that Spotify, well, first of all, I love the fact that they're doing some interesting things, whether it's the algorithmic, you know, Discover Weekly, Release Radar, some of those things that they've really tightened up. But the area that I think it's not very sexy, but they're kind of moving in is really the recognition of players and producers and engineers and songwriters. They launched some songwriter pages. And I think we're going to get to a point where, oh, you know, I really like this engineer or this producer. I want to see all the things he's done. Click a button, boom, it's there. Or I want to see every song that's written by Brett James. Click, boom, there it is. You know, we'll get there, but it's difficult because all of the different uh, labels and distribution companies are delivering their metadata so differently with different numbers of fields. And it's it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of work, and there's really not a lot of ROI there. But I think eventually, to your point, it's going to be a lot more immersive. It's going to be podcasts and news and music and interviews and all that metadata. We're just in our infancy. But you just touched on something that you had mentioned the pandemic. How how has your work changed from before COVID nineteen and and now? How has that kind of affected your day to day work?
2: Well, there's two ways to answer that question, Jay. Um, for us, because one is internally as a team, uh, a team of about 20 people at Rock Paper Scissors, yeah. and what that looks like. And then the other is the work that we do on behalf of our clients and what that looks like, because one of them is sort of like operational workflow for us. And one of them is what is the impact on this crisis for our clients and how does that yeah. adjust, how do we adjust our PR and messaging efforts as a result of that? Um, which one do you want me to tackle both? Go or? for it. Yeah. <laughs> go I mean, for on, the, it. On, the, on, the, on the workflow front, you know, yeah. obviously we we're we're about a month in on working remotely. We decided to go remote before, Any governments told us to. We just thought it was the right thing to do for the safety of our employees and of our community. Um, And honestly, I just don't think the government was working fast enough. For me personally, it's been great to be at home with kids and family. Uh, My my college age daughter is home from school. I get to see her and be with her. My 11 year old son has adapted well. You guys are living the same experience, so you know the deal. So, but I also have you know employees, team members who have families with younger children or kids with certain needs that are different than your average kid or, or, you know, special needs and, you know, to, to, to be an employer at this moment and to have the kind of compassion and flexibility to help them be successful, both at home and at work when they're both in the same place has been interesting. And I, I mean, we've worked so hard over the past year to build up, team culture. So facing an economic crisis and having to work remotely, has been really um, upsetting because we've worked so hard to build a collaborative team that really supports each other. But we'll get through this. And as we do, I think we're learning some new stuff about each other. I mean, you literally have a window into people's homes and their home <laughs> right. life. So I mean, all that stuff, I'm sure everybody that's listening or watching is also facing the same stuff. You guys are too. And yeah. uh, You get it. Yeah. So there's that. That's been interesting. We could talk about some, some more details around there. Most of our, our, our tools and systems are cloud-based anyway. So the only difference is there's not as many conversations passing in halls. So we create some both formal and informal video chats, meetups. We're using Zoom, Google Hangouts, slash sure. video chats, you name it, all that stuff. And yeah. that's, in some ways, there are some cool things about this moment. Like there's, yeah. there's, some, there's some ways to connect more deeply with people when it's one-on-one face-to-face on a screen where you actually have to reach a little deeper and reach a little harder to be expressive and connect versus if you're in a room and you've got a phone and there's snacks and there's all these other distractions as well. So, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There's like a different... And, and to me, this parallels what's happening with live streaming and music as well, where there's certain traditions and rituals around the experience of going to a concert and it's not the same, but there's new traditions and rituals that are emerging in the form of live stream. But we, we can get back to that after I answer. Absolutely. The other
1: no, no, I, absolutely. I'm with you.
2: Because we've done a lot with live streaming with some of our clients, especially bands in town, and also with the podcast where we're interviewing a lot of live streaming folks.
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, it's it's really important, you know, in your business that you know as well as I do, you know, an email, eh, they're they're okay. Phone call, much better. You get face-to-face with somebody. That's where the stuff gets done. That's where relationships are built. That's where those communications... And no, a, a Zoom call is not the same as, you know, you and I sitting in a Starbucks having a cup of coffee together, but... It can be powerful. And I've been watching, you know, like your Web's Days, meetups, and you see people. It's more engaging than a conference call, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, we can get into the Web's Day thing, too, as well. And that's definitely a shift in our workflow is, you know, we're used to – I'm based in Bloomington, Indiana. We're a college town midway between Nashville and Chicago, We've had so few music or tech related clients that are based in the state of Indiana, and really? we rely on going to conferences. Well, they just aren't that many, man. It's <laughs> so shocking. We we de- we depend on travel, going to, yeah. to conferences, and also just going for city visits partnering with uh, music tech incubators and other, other partners, getting referrals from our existing clients in other cities and so forth. But the, the cut down in travel, we knew, was instantly going to be challenging for us. So right. we had uh, a South by Southwest music tech meetup, an informal, unofficial thing set up, and we immediately decided, oh, w- let's turn this into an online uh, thing. My COO, Cheryl, suggested it. My new business manager, Jade, ran them. We, he did four of the week of South by Southwest. I think we were the first to really jump in and get yeah. those going. And just like when we do meetups in person, we are also trying to translate that into this new Zoom format, which is sure, it's good to have experts, thought leaders, panelists, and for us to pontificate and demonstrate our expertise. But what really, really uh, marks our brand of how we like to do that kind of um event and and sales and all that stuff wrapped together is building community so how do we bring as many voices in giving people a chance to meet each other face to face not just be a one-to-many old school broadcast model but how do you like really create that so a lot of our webs days which we do we're doing um right now every wednesday in april um uh a lot of them will include maybe a short panel and then a chance for people to do shout outs the one yeah. we just did was entirely shout outs we were like yeah we, we can't quite get to everybody. So this time we're going to try to get to everybody. And we literally had 70 shout outs where somebody says their company, their email, uh, their uh, web address and what they're looking for when they're networking. That's right. And we collected LinkedIn's and we're distributing the LinkedIn's. So
1: well, that's let me really comment hard. on that, Dimitri, because I was on that. And although I was in a noisy place and couldn't, you know, speak, I certainly was able to not only watch and and I put a a face to a name for a lot of these people that I've been emailing for a while. But what was really cool is after the webs day, I got a half dozen notes, either via LinkedIn or socials or whatever. Hey, you know, um, I saw your thing on the webs days. I think we should collaborate, whatever. And I'm thinking, wow, Dimitri would really like to see this because that's the point. That's that community you were talking about.
2: Yeah, and I love hearing that, Jay. Thanks for saying that, because there's really no point in doing it unless people are finding some successful connections, some business to do, or maybe some advisors or, or peers, mentors. What are connections? You know, that human connection that's so hard to do right now. So thanks for saying that, man. I appreciate yeah. That. Yeah. is, so,
0: is, is real, real quick, is Web Days tech industry only? Yeah. Do you
2: welcome musicians
0: and artists? Is it open to everybody?
2: It's really focused on music tech. So if artists are gonna come, it should be artists that wanna learn about tools that they can use. It's not really the it's not really the artist one oh one type of session where you say, Someone, can someone explain to me what is live streaming? I keep hearing about live streaming or <laughs> can somebody explain to me, I keep hearing this word twitch. Is that is that a platform? What is that? Is that it a thing? Yeah, it's really for, for people who are more engaged than than just the 101. We're heavily involved with CD Baby. They're a client of ours. We've been working with them on programming the DIY Musician Conference. Um, and we see things like that as really good for artists who are looking for that kind of information. Very tactical. How do I get started? How do I move my career and the the stuff that we do with Music Tectonics, both the conference and the WebS days, so we're probably going to add more webinars too. By the WebS WebS day, by the way, WebS day easy is for you to, to say a play of <laughs> w- play on words because we we're doing it every Wednesday, and we didn't want to talk about webinars because webinars sound like a guy selling photocopiers wearing khaki. It's very Dunder Mifflin, <laughs> and we were looking for a little more flavor. But whatever, it's hard to say. And you know, it's really just an ad hoc, let's get started and let's go with it. But anyway, all the program that we typically do with the Music Tectonics brand, um, the conference and whatever we do online, is really oriented more towards either music tech companies or um, founders, uh, existing music tech players, so it doesn't have to be startups, it could be streaming services and social media platforms that are involved with music, also investors and advisors, but also labels, artists, managers, agents, anyone that has more of of an innovative kind of um, tool set, a futurist kind of philosophy, we're trying to also share it with them so that it's not, like you said earlier, Michael, it's not operating in a vacuum where people are building stuff. That no longer has any relevance to how music actually works in the marketplace. How, so that's how, that's kind of our target.
0: How how do people get info on how to attend Web Days? Web Days. Um,
2: web's Day. Web's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. I mean, everything we do for Music Tectonics <laughs> is at musictectonics.com. Everything we do at Rock Paper Scissors is rockpaperscissors.biz scissors look up how to spell it everyone spells it wrong um but if you go to musictectonics.com and click on the blog you'll see information about websday where you can you can sign up and, and stuff like
0: I, that. I, as a side i got to tell you because because rock paper scissors has been sending us potential guests for for years now and thank you for that um great name where did it come from i mean obviously we know rock paper scissors but how did you say boy that would make a great name for a pr company
2: Look, I, I have a, by my very nature, I have a very playful um, sense about the world, and I'm really interested in ideas and creativity. So, we, I mean, I've never worked for a PR firm, man. I have no idea how anyone else does PR. I only know how we've done it, cutting our teeth for 20 years on this stuff. We don't, we've never cared about what a press release looks like, what the format's supposed to be. We've never, thought that if we don't know an important journalist, we can't figure out how to build a relationship with them. To me, it's really about that human connection, that creativity. And so when I started the company, I just wanted something that was general enough that we could pivot, which turned out to be a really good thing seven years ago when we went from doing just international music to doing music tech PR. and uh, and something that's playful and that just captured that kind of dynamism of that human interaction of you don't know what somebody's going to throw next, an <laughs> right? and it doesn't really matter. And some of its strategy and some of its art and some of its luck. It's just it's just yeah. all of that stuff about life thrown together. So it's it's a bit of an abstract name. It's a playful name, and it speaks to our culture as an organization how we approach the work we do. Yeah, well, D- yeah. D-
0: Dimitri, let's 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 talk a little music tech. Related to the world we're all dealing with today. Um, obviously, we know the the music business at all levels for all people has just literally been flipped upside down for, for everyone. Um, and And we still don't know when we're coming out of this. What it's going to look like when we come out of it. I mean, this week, now... In California, they're saying, hey, we're not going to have live sports or concerts until 2021. It's just not, they're not, they, the state, isn't going to let it happen. You know, I'm feeling like, you know, as the, it always comes down to the general public. At the end of the day, it's the public that's going to decide what works and what doesn't work. And I think the public isn't going to embrace going back out in mass until there's, vaccines or you can get tested for antibodies, all that other stuff, which means it's not happening this year. And to some artists, that's like absolute devastation and they just don't know what to do. I mean, I've I've mentioned to some people that, you know, I see artists who are embracing this, pivoting, jumping in, doing what they can to keep active and moving forward. And then there's other artists who are sort of like, uh no, I am not doing anything. I don't know what to do. God damn, this is destroying my career. You know, they're 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 stressed, they're panicking. What technologies in the music space are you seeing right now that show some great <coughs> potential, some great promise? And it doesn't even need to be new technology cuz let's be honest, virtual concerts has been around for years. I've done, we've all, We've. Yeah. I've done stage at Stage has at been around for like
1: 15 years, for yeah.
0: years, you know, Facebook Live has been around for years. You're just being forced to look for those solutions now. But what do you, you know, as somebody who's in that, it, directly connected to all that music tech, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling?
2: Hey, let's start off broad level. First of all, artists are definitely struggling look we've got a, a about a third of our business has been last year for example has been in the artist side it's been artist labels festivals that stuff came to a screeching halt because not only did the touring stop and the live concerts stop but a lot of the releases and the release marketing plans stopped because they yeah. accompany touring yep. and they and also and, I, and obviously there's a little bit of fear too like well everyone's paying attention to covid19 they're not going to pay attention to my record let's put a hold on that we're already seeing the tables turn in terms of distribution and and releases. Um, our, our client CD Baby just reported in Rolling Stone this week that distribution submissions is up over a hundred percent. I'll tell you why: independent artists are saying, "Hey, these big name artists have put everything on hold." That means there's not as many the new releases happening right now. That's right. Exactly. So you you can you can look at these situations and say. Yeah, the the world is screwed right now and I got to stop everything, my revenue stream stopped. I don't I'm I'm in crisis. I've got uh, family members who are who are who are stuck without food or have healthcare issues. Um you know, I've lost a job, I've lost lost a gig. There's all these things that they're facing. Most of the entire world is facing this. So it's not just sure. artists. Um and you know, artists should be used to some creative limitations on the creative side, right? At some point you say, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to use electric beats or we're not going to use acoustic instruments or we're, you know, we're limited to these microphones or this studio setup or whatever. And then something comes from that, right? Those limitations create creativity. So from a broad level mindset position, I know I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying everybody has the same struggle. We all have different struggles and some of them are definitely worse than others. But from a mindset perspective, whether you're in business or whether you're making art, What does it mean for you to have limitations placed on you and what kind of creativity do you draw on that both in terms of what you're creating and in terms of how you work and how you hopefully monetize? And I'm not saying it's easy necessarily, but I'm just saying mindset. Do you go straight to the place of this is totally screwed? I'm totally screwed. Everything's flat. There's nothing I can do. We're going to hibernate. Or do you go to, hmm, what would a great artist do in this situation when I have those limitations What does that drive me to do? What do I pull out that I wasn't paying attention to that I need? I mean, look, we're stuck at home. Some of us are like, well, the work part of it sucks. Doing the dishes all the freaking time sucks. But I am (laughs) spending a lot of time with my kids, and they're actually kind of cool, you know. Or, or I'm doing stuff that I always meant to be doing, and now I have time. Or that commute that I hate. I don't have to do it. I have so much more time. I can work out finally or whatever it is. It's the same thing in music too. What are you leaning into? So that's big picture. Let's get more specific, Michael. Live streaming. You guys talked about that already. Let's get into the details. Remote collaboration. What kind of opportunities become available when you can't collaborate musically with somebody that's in the same room as you? Can you open yourself up to an entire network and community of people on the other end of the earth? What happens to your creativity and your art when you're doing that? Music making. What tools have you not ever had a chance to practice that even though it sucks not to be making the same money or money right now, how can you perfect your craft right now so that when we get to the new starting line, you're going to blow somebody's mind away with something you've created. I mean, there's all sorts of um, mobile apps and, and plugins and stuff that are offering special yep. promotions or free stuff. Get an entire Moog on your iPad that usually costs thirty bucks, and just start adding new sounds. Um, you know, th- th- there's that stuff too. Uh, remote education. If you've always found it a pain in the butt to find students and teach lessons imagine what the students are facing and the parents and the schools are facing right now. There's an opportunity to start doing that right now because the demand is higher than ever. So look into that stuff. And then, you know, you can go from there as well, using, using tools that you used for one thing for something else and, uh, would love to get into more live streaming details. I've been interviewing tons of live streaming companies and users sure. on, the pod, on the music tectonics podcast can share with you what I've learned there. Um, so I don't know that's that's to get you started though.
0: You know and 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 real quick I want to go back to what you you alluded to with with the CD Baby comment about how they're seeing submissions up. I'm you know from my business I'm seeing the same thing. Yeah, I've got a couple clients that were all touring and they're they're done. They're, they can't tour. But at the same time in one week three new independent artists came on board because they're releasing music. And to your point you're not competing against the majors. You're not competing. You know, y- the world is still open to release music, especially if you're an independent artist who really never was going to rely on physical goods to begin with. Yeah. If you were going to be a digital release anyway, this really isn't impacting you that much. You yeah. can still release. And, you know, yeah, the the, the major artists... Yeah, their tour gets canceled. Now they can't release their album because the album was going to be, uh, you know, co-promotion of tour and album and everything else. Oh, and by the way, Amazon isn't taking new physical goods to distribute. So why would you release an album if your retailer isn't going to take them? That doesn't apply to a lot of indie artists. So what to me what that's saying is, don't get caught up in the headlines the big headline that says, Oh my God, Amazon stops selling CDs and vinyl. Did you ever sell CD and vinyl through Amazon? No. Well then it <laughs> doesn't impact not. you. Then it doesn't well, buy- me- Did you have a tour that was canceled? Well no, yeah. not really. Well then you can still record and release your music.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let me let me just touch on something you said, Dimitri. And we've all seen these folks who are using this technology to their advantage, right? We've seen people make music videos uh, out of Zoom, you know. We've seen people collaborate. And, you know, whether it's playing together, writing together, and then there's all these new things that are popping up that I wouldn't have found as interesting or wouldn't have thought they would be as interesting as they are. Uh, for example, Richard Marx is doing this series of just interviews with people. And he and Paul Stanley from KISS did this interview, and I, I was riveted. They, they weren't necessarily talking about their it was a, music. It, was, it wasn't a
0: typical rock star interview. It was like no, two fathers they were talking. talking. About,
1: yeah, they were talking about politics. They were talking about Tony Bennett. You know, and it was very compelling and very genuine and very real, and and I guess what I'm getting at is, okay, now we're starting to use some of these tools. Some of us in the industry are coming out of our comfort zone and being forced to use things. And now we're starting. Now we've got a different skill set, right? I may be an artist, and now I know how to collaborate online, or I knew I know how to use some of these technologies. What do you think is going to happen after? Uh, this pandemic's over.
2: Will this continue? Hey, I think all bets are off, but I also think that all the rituals and traditions and habits that we form right now are going to live on somehow. I shouldn't say all of them, but they're going to have an influence. There are people, uh, to me, this is a potential, there's going to be a post-COVID explosion of creativity, in my opinion. I think you're right. You're forced to try new stuff, you're, when, when you have these pivotal, I mean, this is a worldwide cultural moment. This is not just America. It's not just, you know, one hemisphere. Or this is worldwide. And I think there's opportunities for worldwide collaboration as a result. There's a, there's a tolerance and there's an awareness of the entire planet because we watch this thing unfold. And you have either sympathy, compassion, or some other, you know, some other <laughs> feeling from this as, it, as it's unfolding. But we, yeah. we now have something in common, I think. And so, so, you know, live streaming has its own new kind of rituals, traditions, habits, etiquette. And I think people are going to be cutting their teeth and doing that now. And it's not going to go away later. Next time when they see there's a band they love, are they going to drive, you know, 500 miles to see it? Or are they going to live stream twice as many or five times as many bands now because they've tried it once and they get a feel for it. They got on there with friends and started chatting. They met some people through chatting about music. I think some of those things will certainly change. And I think on the creator side, tons is going to change. Tons are going to change because people are going to try new plugins, new apps, new platforms. Um, yeah. So, and and what you said about Richard Marks and new types of content, when you think about a creative renaissance where new types, new formats are emerging, um, So it's not just live streaming, you know, we talk to to you now and stage it on the Music Tectonics podcast, but we also talk to Side Door, which is more of an intimate vibe, or Topeka, Topeka Topeka.live, which is not even necessarily concerts. It could be like fan conversations. Like I've always wanted to talk to this artist for fifty bucks. I'm gonna get with them for a half hour and I'm gonna ask them about the guitar they play. I'm gonna show them my guitar, I'm gonna ask them to show me a couple of riffs. Or I'm going to do a house concert or I'm going to give somebody a present of a serenade, you know, or you can switch to something like Maestro, maestro maestro.io, which lets artists keep their own data and you start to build your list. So you're not just building up some other social media platform. So we've talked to all these folks and each one has something a little bit different to offer, but it creates these experiences and these rituals that I think. I think they will live on past COVID-19.
1: I do too. And I'd like to comment on something you you touched on earlier, which was you guys jumped in pretty early. And when you do stuff with, let's say, South by, um, those things are compelling because not everybody can go to South by Southwest. Not everybody can even go to music tectonics. Um, It costs money to travel. Um, You may not have that budget. I, I think it's also leveling the playing field and making these more inclusive for folks. Yes, it's important to go to these conferences. I go to them. I get a lot out of them. Um, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that. But adding that extra layer, uh, I just think is only going to help put more butts in the seats, virtually or not right? And then you 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 talked about some of these, these experiences, as we call them, right? Next week, one of my clients, the Licorice Quartet, it's the guys, uh, three of the four guys from Jellyfish, they're launching these experiences where you can write a song with them. Um, you can collaborate with them. You can have that one-on-one virtual coffee with them and ask them anything you want. These experiences that we saw from Pledge Music or Patreon or that's a whole different level that a lot of artists never jumped into but maybe now they're thinking about it or they're being forced to but that's compelling cuz i can tell you that when i was growing up if i could sit down and chat with queen or cheap trick you know or whoever i would have sold my car you know for that and now these things are becoming part of the fabric Of the offerings from all these artists, and I think that, and then that inclusivity for things like what you're doing with South by, is incredibly compelling.
2: Yeah, just to be clear, our South by stuff was unofficial South by stuff. So don't (laughs) don't want
1: to be all right, all
2: right. No, about those guys. There's a lot of unofficial South by stuff too. But um, no, but I think you're right. Like um, you know, we're um we're seeing a lot of, of, of things that this is a chance for experimentation that does open up doors for people who didn't have access before. And I think that's what you're talking about, Jay. It's like, you might try it now because of the limitation because you can't travel, you can't be in the room together now. But on the flip side, doors are getting open. There's a lot of free content, a lot of free programming right now that you wouldn't have access to if you hadn't been traveling and buying badges. Now, when conferences are open, I do think There is something to be said for being in the room and supporting conferences and and actually sitting down and having a a beverage and a a coffee or a meeting or whatever. Um, But again, you have those creative limitations and you think, so how do I optimize? And Michael, to answer your earlier question about what artists can be doing right now, it's the stuff that Jay's talking about, I think, a little bit. Like, well, you can't do X, Y, and Z, but lean into the fan relationship. So instead of trying to reach 1,000 or 10,000 fans, what happens if you reach 10 or 20 and create something that's an even stronger bond so that whatever happens next you're ready to go it doesn't feel the same as when you've been trying to blast out your social media or going on tour for hundreds or thousands of people or you know knowing for sure what's going to happen when you release a record right now but what can you do to serve people's need for intimacy and connection with artists in this weird moment and i think leaning into that is is the possibility and it's cool to check out these different tech solutions and platforms that offer they're they're all a little bit different think of them as as different tools in the toolbox and try them out and see do you need a sharper blade or a or a bigger hammer who knows (laughs) you figure out what it is for your particular situation and for your your own like spiritual flow like how do you operate because sometimes you want emojis with animations flashing on your screen that's your style and sometimes you're like Cut the bullshit. Make it as close as possible to a house concert. That's all I want. I want to. I want to see faces. I want to see kids on the laps of their parents, nodding their head along and having a conversation between the songs. Or no, I'm into gaming and I love what's going on on Twitch. You know, and I want to. I want to see this other form of monetization and gamification that happens and this new type of tradition build.
0: You know, one of the things to me is this. This. this, You've got to. There's no rules right now, what we're sitting in. Nobody has the rules of this is going to work, this won't work, you got to do this, don't do this. This is the moment for an artist who's creative to just go, well, this is what I've wanted to do. Okay, do it. And it doesn't always have to involve music, meaning it doesn't have to involve a performance. It doesn't have to involve writing and releasing music. It could be as simple as getting on and talking about the story of how your band was formed, the stories behind the songs, all of this other stuff. And to go along with that, it may not involve having to find a new piece of technology that you have to learn how to use. Go back to some of this existing technology we've been using and use the features that are already built in. Boy, you know, Facebook live video, Instagram live video, Twitter can do video, you know, Go back into what you've already been using and see if there's features that you really haven't played with yet. And go, oh, if I flip that feature set on, it's a whole new world. There's so yeah. much of that stuff out there.
2: Yeah, That's the thing. And when I talked at the beginning about how, how we tell stories about music from all over the, the world, we always look at music. As an evolution of the physical environment. What is around you and how are you creating sounds? Some of it's physical, like there's literally music playing the the, the jawbone of a donkey or an agricultural crate, the cajon as a percussion instrument. If you can take that musicological knowledge and apply it to your career, what is around me? What do I have right here that I don't need to go anywhere else? It's you know, it's the same story as turntables <laughs> becoming a musical instrument That's right. or iPads. Or who knows what it is? Maybe it's your career focused on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. I agree with you, Michael. It's like, look at what you have. Utilize those resources. That's what humans have done from the beginning of time is see what's around you and integrate it and bring it in. And I will say one thing, though, Michael, if you're going to go back to platforms or technology that you have and you're using what's close to you, don't forget the big picture. Why are you doing it? You know, like, yeah. all you're doing it is for creativity or for audience building. That's great. But also have a plan for over time. How are you going to translate that? How's that become a funnel for your career if yeah. you're concerned about money? Yeah. And I have to say, we're about to release a music tectonics podcast with none other than Jay Gilbert, where he explains <laughs> exactly how you build a funnel wow. and what you need to be thinking about. If you're using social media, yeah. the importance of email, your web, your website, your e-commerce and so forth. So when you're thinking about all these cool new things or trying to muster up the, um, the courage or the, 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 the optimism to try anything, listen to Jay's podcast on music tectonics. So you get a sense of, okay, how do I put this all together? And then you start experimenting too, so that you know that there also should be a bigger business reason as well as an artistic and community building reason to right. get in. There.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that shameless plug. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, the, the checks in the mail, um, <laughs> And secondly, Dimitri, we could talk to you all afternoon, and I hope you'll come back and join us again. We're running out of time, but I just want to give you an opportunity. If people want to learn more about Rock, Paper, Scissors, or Music Tectonics, or Web's Days, or just you and your crazy pants, how can they they reach out to you?
2: Well, if you want to see the crazy pants, go to Instagram. (laughs) But... But uh, if you want to learn about Music Tectonics, the conference, the blog, the <laughs> podcast, just go to musictectonics.com. Tectonics is T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C-S, musictectonics.com, or go to any podcast platform. We're on pretty much all of them. Ours is audio only, not video so far. Uh, the Web's Days is also at Music Tectonics on the blog. And then rockpaperscissors.biz, B-I-Z, is the website for my PR company. We focus on music tech, music, and... Uh, we're open for business, man. I've got a killer team. I've got five, yeah, do. And three yes, masters do. on the team. Uh, they're amazing people who, um, are getting some incredible press for a lot yeah. of our music tech clients, like bands yeah. in town and lyric find and CD baby yeah. and surround and it goes on and on. man. Michael but- And
1: I can attest to that because oh, we work with your that. team and, I, uh, they're, they're, uh, yeah, world I was going to say, if you're, no if,
0: if, if, if you're looking to work with them, they, they will pitch you. We get some we get many great pitches from Rock, Paper, Scissors, and and, yep. and as I said earlier, many of them have come on as guests.
2: I appreciate you guys doing what you do and being out there, being receptive to that, but also, just I mean, this is just such a great way to help the the music community and artists, and uh, you guys have been going at it for quite a time, both in your individual businesses. I think you guys have a great community spirit and on the podcast, so I really appreciate
1: Thank that. You. Thank you. Thank Dimitri. you, Dimitri. This was, it was right.
0: such a pleasure and so much fun chatting with you, man. Be safe. Right. Be safe. You too. Thanks. We'll
1: talk to you Peace. soon, Dimitri. Cheers. See you
0: guys. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. That was a fascinating discussion with Dimitri.
1: Yeah.
0: Just, you know, his passion, his um, enthusiasm, his knowledge is just, I hate to yeah. say it right now, contagious, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well played. Sir. Yeah, it really is. You know, he's a he's a musician. Um, he's a tech guy. And I love that his business has kind of pivoted uh, and as we mentioned you know he's helped us get some really cool guests for the podcast He's helped with uh, you know some great stories for your morning coffee um, plus you know he's doing some really cool things in the space whether it's the web's days you know meetups, whether it's the music tectonic conference. I love that he's bringing people together for that conversation, and I think that uh, it it would be really wise for people who are listening and watching this show to go go check out uh, Music Tectonic. You know, check out the Web's Days, and you know if you're in a position to you know need publicity help, you know take a look at Rock yeah, Paper sp-
0: Scissors, sp- especially if you're if you're a, a tech company in the music space. Um, yeah. You know, this this is not a paid endorsement by any means, but Jay no. and I have dealt with rock, paper, scissors for many years. Um, amazing people, yep. great publicist, very professional, incredible follow through everything else. So, yeah. um, you know, we've found, really, the pulse. we've found a lot of people that have come on the show and a lot of new amazing technologies just through them pitching stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, super cool conversation
0: yeah we'd, we'll we'll definitely have to do some more uh more discussions with dimitri that was fun yeah. um so real quick just a reminder if you're watching us on youtube hit that little red subscribe button so you never miss another episode on spotify hit that follow button so you never miss another podcast being posted to spotify and itunes of course a review and a rating would mean a lot um that's it, everybody. Music yeah. Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here till next week.